السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ہاؤ یو آل ڈوئنگ الحمد للہ اوپن اپ یور بکس پلیز نحمد ونسلی علی رسول کریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری ویسر لي امری وحلل عقدت من لسانی یفقه قولی اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخيمه قلبي امين يا رب العالمين سو الحمد لله today we begin book number 3 which is the first part of the second juz of surah al-baqarah so we will begin lesson number 20 first the translation from verses 142 to 152 so please open up your books to page number 2 you know the routine i'll say the arabic and you say the translation سيقول السفهاء من الناس ما ولاهم عن قبلتهم التي كانوا عليها قل لله المشرق والمغرب يهدي من يشاء إلى صراط مستقيم وكذلك جعلناكم أمة وسطا لتكونوا شهداء على الناس ويكون الرسول عليكم شهيدا وما جعلنا القبلة التي كنت عليها إلا لنعلم من يتبع الرسول ممن ينقلب على عقبيه وَإِن كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ قد نرى تقلب وجهك في السماء فلنولينك قبلة ترضاها فولي وجهك شطر المسجد الحرام وحيثما كنتم فولوا وجوهكم شطره وإن الذين أوتوا الكتاب ليعلمون أنه الحق من ربهم وما الله بغافل عما يعملون ولئن 
اتيت الذين اوتوا الكتاب بكل ايه ما تبعوا قبلتك وما انت بتابع قبلتهم وما بعضهم بتابع قبلت بعض ولئن اتبعت اهواءهم من بعد ما جاءك من العلم انك اذا لمن الظالمين الذين اتيناهم الكتاب يعرفونه كما يعرفون ابناءهم وان فريقا منهم لا يكتمون الحق وهم يعلمون الحق من ربك فلا تكونن من الممترين ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير ومن حيث خرجت فولي وجهك شطر المسجد الحرام وإنه للحق من ربك وما الله بغافل عما تعملون ومن حيث خرجت فولي وجهك شطر المسجد الحرام وحيثما كنتم فولوا وجوهكم شطره لئلا يكون للناس عليكم حجة إلا الذين ظلموا منهم فلا تخشوهم واخشوني ولأتم نعمتي عليكم ولعلكم تهتدون كما أرسلنا فيكم رسولا منكم يتلو عليكم آياتنا ويزكيكم ويعلمكم الكتاب والحكمة ويعلمكم ما لم تكونوا تعلمون 
فذكروني اذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سيقول السفهاء من الناس The foolish among the people will certainly say Very soon the foolish people will say مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمُ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا What is it that has turned them, meaning the Muslims, away from the prayer direction that they used to face? Meaning the foolish people will criticize the change of the Qibla. They will say, why have the Muslims changed their prayer direction? So what is the response that you should give? قُلْ say meaning tell these foolish people that لِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبِ The east and the west belong to Allah. All directions belong to Allah. So it is His decision if He wants that we should face a particular direction in prayer, then we will do that. Because we are obeying Allah. يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Allah guides whomsoever He wills to the straight path. Now over here, a particular incident that happened in the life of the Prophet ﷺ is being alluded to. Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, when he used to pray salah, he used to face Baytul Maqdis, which is in Jerusalem. And when he would face Baytul Maqdis, which is in Jerusalem, then what would happen is that the Kaaba, which is in Mecca, would be right behind him. It would be in the exact opposite direction. So in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ faced Jerusalem for the first 16 or 17 months. Why? Because this is the command that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him. Why? Because that was the qibla of the previous prophets. They would face Jerusalem, Baytul Maqdis, the holy mosque in Jerusalem, when praying. And also remember that in Medina, who used to live? the people of the book. So their prayer direction was also towards Jerusalem. So when the Prophet ﷺ faced Baytul Maqdis, what happened? He was in a way similar to the people of the book. But what happened after about 16 or 17 months, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet ﷺ to no longer face Baytul Maqdis. He commanded him to face the Kaaba which is in the exact opposite direction. Why face the Kaaba? This was for several reasons. Firstly, because remember, at the end of the first juz, we learned who built the Kaaba? Prophet Ibrahim salam and Ismail salam. Why did they build the Kaaba? So that people would come and worship only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the Qur'an we learn that the first house of worship that was ever built was which one? Do you know which one? It was the Kaaba. It was the Kaaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that in awwala baytin nas The first building that was ever constructed is the one that is in Mecca. Alright? So you could say that the original house of worship was which one? The Kaaba. That's the original one. 
So what happened with the final messenger? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear to all people that they have to face which prayer direction? The Kaaba. Because that is the original Qibla. And in this was a clear message to the people of the book also. That the last messenger was neither from them, nor did he face their Qibla anymore. He was going to face the Qibla of who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. So anyway, when the Qibla was changed, now that the Muslims were no longer facing Jerusalem, they were facing the Kaaba now, some people, they got really bothered by this. And they started criticizing the Muslims. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these verses. Before even the change of Qibla happened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these verses. That سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ Very soon, the sufaha amongst the people will say, Sufaha is the plural of the word, Safih, from the root letters, Sinfaha. And we have done this word many times before. And who is Safih? A person who is? Foolish. Why is he foolish? Because of two reasons. Either one or both. What are those two reasons? Either he doesn't know, and he's ignorant, which is why he's behaving foolishly. Or, he doesn't understand. Meaning, his level of intellect is really low. He just doesn't get it. You understand? So, the sufaha will say that what is it that has turned the Muslims away from the qibla that they used to follow? They used to follow, meaning Jerusalem. Why have they turned away from it? Meaning, there are some people who are going to criticize this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls these people foolish, sufaha. What does this show to us? What does this teach us? That firstly, a believer will hear criticism from people in regards to his or her religion. What happens is, in the previous just we learned about Allah, the coloring of Allah, which is the religion of Allah. So when a person becomes committed to the deen, and the effects of the deen become very visible, then some people get very uncomfortable. And they don't just stay uncomfortable, they start to verbally attack you. They start to criticize you. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call these people who criticize you in your religion? Foolish. And why foolish? Because you see, when a foolish person criticizes you, do you take them seriously? Do you take them seriously? No. When somebody doesn't understand what you're doing, and they criticize your choices, you completely ignore them. Like for example, has anybody ever made fun of your really cool pants? Like you're wearing like the coolest pants ever, and your dad is like, what are you wearing? Where'd you get this from? Right? What kind of style is this? What do you say? You start crying? Do you start crying over there? You don't cry there, you just ignore. Or for example, if your friend makes fun of your choices, your clothing choices, what do you do? You don't pay attention because you know what's cool and you know what you like. You chose it, you're wearing it, and you don't care about what other people tell you. So just like that, when it comes to your deen, when it comes to your religion, for example, your salah, for example, what you eat or what you don't eat, 
For example, certain decisions or certain rules that you have made for yourself. People may make fun of you. They may call you names. Or they may you know, look at you funny. But then what should you do? Don't give much importance to their criticism. Don't pay attention to them. Why? Because a foolish person does not deserve much attention. It's a waste of time trying to convince a foolish person. Because he just simply doesn't get it. So, سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمُ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا What has turned them away? They will criticize. So what is the response? What should you tell them? قُلْ لِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبِ The mashriq, meaning the east, wal-maghrib and the west, both belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if he has told us to face Jerusalem first, we will do that. And then if he told us to face the Kaaba, then we will do that. Because at the end of the day, we obey who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ He guides whomsoever he wills to the straight path. And part of that is that people should face the original prayer direction, which is the Kaaba. So it's amazing. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this command that Muslims should face the Kaaba in prayer, the reaction of the Muslims was what? Okay. They were obedient. But then there were some other people who started making fun of the Muslims, who started criticizing the Muslims. So you see, there's some people who are guided when the command of Allah comes, and some people get further turned away. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ Next verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ And thus have we made you أُمَّةً وَسَطًا An ummah that is wasat. A community that is wasat. What does it mean by this? That kadalika. Kadalika means just like that. Meaning, just as we have guided you to the straight path and to the right prayer direction, we have also made you, O Muslims, an ummatan wasatan. Ummah is a nation. And the quality of this nation is that it is wasat. What does this word wasat mean? It's from the root letters, waw seen ta. And wasat is that which is in the middle. The word wasat means that which is in the middle. So a middle nation, what does that mean? You can understand it in many different ways. Firstly, middle means moderate, meaning free from extremes. Alright, free from extremes. And if you think about it, if you compare the way of the Muslims, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught is free from extremes compared to other nations. For example, the Christians. What halal haram rules do they have when it comes to eating? Are there any rules? Basically, there's supposed to be no law for them. When you go to the other side, when you look at the Jews, do they have any restrictions when it comes to lawful and unlawful? How many? Too many. Much, much more than us. Like for example, certain foods also cannot be mixed. Certain food items cannot be together in one place. The dishes cannot be interchanged. Alright? Separate for dairy, separate for other things. But when it comes to Muslims, do we have any rules for halal and haram? Yes. But what kind of rules are they? What kind of rules are they? Moderate. Free from 
extremes. So this is one meaning. Ummatan wasatan, the first meaning is moderate. Another meaning of the word wasat is that which is in the middle. If you think about it, what is in the middle of something is usually the best part of it. What is in the middle of something is usually the best part of it. Like for example, when you're having your favorite drink, let's say you're having your ice cap. At the beginning, how is it? You're trying to get something out, it's getting really cold in your mouth, right? At the end, what happens? You just have ice left because you've sucked everything out, isn't it? But the middle part is what you enjoy. So, wasat means the best. Do you have this meaning with you? Make sure you write it down. Ummatan wasat firstly means moderate, free from extremes. Secondly, it means the best. And thirdly, the word wasat also means, you see what is in the middle is a connection. Isn't it? What is in the middle is a connection. So you are an ummatan wasat, meaning a connection between who? Between Allah and the rest of mankind. Meaning it is your duty, O Muslims, to convey the message of Islam to who? To the rest of the people. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you this book, He has given you this religion, so now it's your job to connect people to their Creator. So, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا The Muslims are commanded to face the Kaaba in prayer. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the best prayer direction for the best Ummah. The best prayer direction for the best Ummah. Why are you Ummatan Wasatan? لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ So that you would be witnesses over mankind. Shuhada is the plural of the word shahid. And who is a shahid? A witness, one who testifies. So your job is to testify against people. What does that mean? وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا And the messenger is going to be a witness against you. What does that mean? We learn in a hadith the explanation of this verse. You have the hadith in your notes, the second one. That the Prophet ﷺ said that Nuh ﷺ will be called on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him that did you convey the message to your people? And Nuh ﷺ of course will say, yes. And then the people of Nuh ﷺ will be asked that did he convey the message to you? And guess what they will say? No. They will lie outright. Because they will be in trouble, right? Because they have denied their messenger. So they will say, no, no, no messenger came to us. We don't know this man. So what will happen now? On the one hand, Nuh is saying that he conveyed the message and his people are saying, we don't know anything. So now what do you need? Another person to testify. So who is that going to be? It's going to be the entire Muslim Ummah that is going to testify in the favor of Prophet Nuh salam. That yes, Prophet Nuh salam conveyed the message to his people. Now how do you know? How do we know? Where did you learn this from? From the, from the Qur'an. 
right? So لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ And this is going to happen with all of the prophets. Alright? And then what's going to happen? The messenger is going to testify against you. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ will also testify that he conveyed the message to the Muslims. Alright? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa verse 41 that فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِن كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ شَهِيدًا That how will it be when we will bring from every community a witness, meaning their prophet, and we will bring you, O Prophet ﷺ, as a witness against your people. Why is this being mentioned over here? What's the purpose of informing us about this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us about our responsibility. Remember that with privilege comes responsibility. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us ummatan wasatan, the best nation, it's not so that we brag about it and we look down on people. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the best qibla, the best prayer direction to face, the best prophet, the best book, it's not just so that we boast about it and we feel that we are the best. No, it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a huge responsibility. And what is that responsibility? That we convey this message to the rest of the people. We convey the Qur'an to who? To the rest of mankind. This is why Allah chose us. This is the reason why He chose us. So that we take this Qur'an, we bring it in our lives, we benefit from it ourselves, and we also take it to the rest of mankind. We help them also. You know, for example, if there is a hungry person, a person who is so hungry that he's at the verge of death, what is your responsibility if you have food? What is your responsibility? That you share it with them. You give them. Right? You eat yourself, the money that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, the food that He has given you, you benefit yourself with it, and you also benefit people with it. Especially those who are in need. The best provision that Allah has given is the provision that is for the soul, that is for the heart. Because if the heart, if the soul is satisfied, then the entire body is satisfied. And if the heart is empty, it is unhappy, then the entire body is restless. Has it ever happened with you? That you've got like food and everything with you, but you're just feeling so unhappy. Recently I met somebody who got married just a little while ago, and they're crying and crying and crying. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, well, I've just been chilling. And I'm not really doing anything. And that's making me miserable. Chilling. Why? Because going here and then going there and then going here and then there. And then, you know, two months have gone by and nothing real has been done. And that was eating this person up from inside. You could have all the luxuries of this world. But if your heart is hungry, then you will be miserable. If your heart is not fulfilled, you will be miserable. Happiness does not come with things. Happiness does not come with food. Happiness does not come with fancy clothes and fancy shoes and the latest game. Happiness comes when the state of your heart is good. And that will only happen when you connect with your Lord, Azza wa Jalla. 
So we are being reminded of our responsibility over here that your duty is to convey to the people لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ On the day of judgment you have to testify. And if you don't do your job, then you know what? The messenger is going to testify against you. You know the Prophet ﷺ, he asked on the farewell pilgrimage that did I convey the message to you, O people? And they said, yes. Again he asked, did I convey? Allah الْبَلَّغْتُ And they said, yes. He asked again, did I convey? And the people said, yes. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma shahad. Oh Allah, you bear witness that I have conveyed the message. I have done my part. So this Qur'an that we have, the religion that we have, is basically what? A trust with us. It's a trust. It's a responsibility that we have to take seriously. That we learn it, we follow it, and we convey it, because tomorrow we are going to be held responsible. Tomorrow we will be asked. We will be questioned. Did you learn? Did you follow? Did you pass it on? لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا And the messenger will also be a witness over you. You can't run away from this responsibility. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا جَعَلْنَا And we did not make. Al-Qibla, the prayer direction. أَلَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا That on which you were previously, meaning the Qibla that you faced previously, you were commanded to face that Qibla. Why? For a reason. You see, I mentioned to you earlier that the Prophet ﷺ in Medina, he faced Jerusalem. Initially he faced Jerusalem for about 16 or 17 months. Do you know what Qibla he faced before he came to Medina? Meaning in Mecca, which Qibla did he face? Do you know that? Let me show you something. You see this image? See the map? Okay, do you see Mecca? Now, do you see Medina? You see Medina? Alright. Now, go higher, above Jordan. Do you see Jerusalem? Right above Jordan. Okay, so, where is Mecca? Where is Mecca? All the way down, right? What is above Mecca? First Medina and then Jerusalem, right? Now, when the Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca, when he would pray in the Hatim, you know what the Hatim is? The semicircle that's right next to the Kaaba. When he would pray in the Hatim and he would be facing the Kaaba, he would naturally be facing Jerusalem also. Do you understand? Because he would face the Kaaba in such a way that he would have the Kaaba in front of him, but he would be in the direction of Jerusalem. But now when he went to Medina, he could either face Jerusalem or the exact opposite, Mecca. You understand what's happening now? So initially he faced Jerusalem and then he was told, face the Kaaba. Now, what do we see? In Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ faced both Baytul Maqdis and Baytul Haram. But in Medina, he was facing only now, after the change of Qibla, only Masjid al-Haram. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a reason. Why was this done? 
Why isn't it that from the very beginning, the Prophet ﷺ is told, face the Kaaba. Initially facing the Kaaba and Jerusalem. Now only Jerusalem. And now only Kaaba. Why all these changes? Why? What's the reason? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. Look at the verse. إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولِ Only so that we would know who is it that would follow the messenger مِمَّنْ than the person who يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ than the person who is turning back on his heels. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this to show, to reveal who truly follows the messenger and who turns back on his heels. You see the word يَتَّبِعُ is from اِتِّبَعَ تَابَعَيْنَ to follow. And يَنْقَلِبُ is from قَافْ لَامْبَا to turn away. And عَقِبَيْهِ is the dual of the word عَقِب which is heel. And turning back on one's heels, what does it mean? Taking a complete 180 degree. Alright, turning back on one's heels. Meaning you're no longer facing what you were previously facing. You're no longer going where you were going. You're going now the exact opposite way. So this was a test. The change of Qibla was in reality a test for the Muslims. In Surah Al-Baqarah, we learned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested who? Adam alayhi salam. Remember? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Adam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested the Bani Israel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. And now the Muslims were also tested. So this was a test to see who would continue to follow the messenger and who would just leave Islam. إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولَ مِمَّنْ يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ So what does this show to us? That sometimes... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us in tests which are regarding our, you know, life. Like for example, health, wealth, friendship, so on and so forth. Like your best friend all of a sudden, you know, turns weird, doesn't want to talk to you, doesn't want to know you. That's a big test, right? Or for example, in your health, there's a huge decline. That's a big test. Or for example, you just don't have any money. You don't know where you're going to get anything from. So this is a test. But sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tests us in our religion. Write this down. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tests us in our religion by giving us a command and then seeing whether or not we will obey Him. This is the test. It's very easy to say, I love you Allah. It's very easy to say, I believe in Allah. It's very easy to say, I worship only Allah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not judge us based on what we claim only. He will judge us after testing us. He will test us. So for example, you say, I love the hijab. And you wear it. And you start wearing it. At the beginning, it's like fun. And you know, you're looking different. And everybody's like, you know, praising you and congratulating you. And then what happens? Somebody gives you a very rude remark. Says something super nasty to you. I got called a lampshade recently. You know that? Lampshade. And I'm like, 
lampshade. I'm like, oh, because my hijab looks like this, right? Like this. So a lampshade is also like that. I'm like, oh, interesting. And then I remembered this verse. سَيَقُولُ sufaha, Right? This dude is calling me a lampshade because he doesn't get it. He doesn't know why I'm wearing this. Right? This is an indication of his foolishness. So I have to do what I'm doing confidently. And this is a test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting me in. That do I become scared over here? And do I become weak over here? Do I continue to follow the command of Allah? Or do I become shaky and weak? So remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely test you in your religion. He will. Like for example, something simple, even salah, Allah will test you. You know, for example, you learn in the Qur'an about being good to parents, and then what happens? You go home and your mom's like nagging you, nagging you, nagging you, and saying things that are annoying you, and you're like, I want to be good to my mom, but you know, it's just so hard. It's going to be hard because Allah is testing you. You know, for example, what is patience if a person does not go through hardship? What is patience? It's nothing. It's meaningless. What is forgiveness if a person has not been hurt? It's nothing. Forgiveness is when you have been hurt and then you forgive. So just like that, what is obedience if it hasn't been hard? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested the Muslims. The reason why He changed the Qibla all right, for the Muslims was to know who would follow the Messenger and who would completely leave Islam. And you see over here, لِنَعْلَمَ So that we know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already knows everything. But remember, there's two types of knowledge. One is ilm that is makhfi, that is hidden from people. And the other is ilm zuhur, knowledge that is manifested. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything. But He will judge people once He manifests their condition. وَإِن كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, certainly this was very big. The change of qibla was something very, very big, a big deal. Except for those people whom Allah guided. This was a very difficult thing, except for the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided. For them, it was not difficult. For them, it was very simple. We have to face the Kaaba. Okay, khalas, face the Kaaba. And this is the reality. A simple command for one person is very easy. It's not really a big deal. And the same thing for another person is so difficult. So difficult. Have you ever seen people praying so easily? Like for example, you see them first they go and they pray their sunnah, and they pray their fard, and they sit and they do all their adhkar, and then they pray their sunnah. And you are still thinking... I need to get up and pray. Huh? And then you rush through your wudu, and then you just do the bare minimum. I mean, what's happening? One person is like enjoying salah, alright, praying so easily, and you have to fight off so many things to be able to get to their prayer mat and say Allahu Akbar. You see, there's a difference. For some people, a command of Allah is easy, and for others, it is difficult. What's the difference? Who is it easy for? The person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides. 
So ask Allah for guidance. If a particular command of Allah, you find it very difficult, like you feel like you're going to suffocate, you know, you don't feel confident, you feel unhappy doing it. Like for example, I remember I told somebody, let's go and pray. And this kid started crying. And I'm like, sorry, you know, just encouraging you to pray because you're in my house. So, you know, and you're over 10 years old. So I thought, you know, you're in the habit of praying. I felt like I had, you know, said something so mean to him. He started crying, literally started crying. So if you feel like that about a certain command of Allah, ask Allah for guidance. Allahumma hdini. Oh Allah, guide me. Oh Allah, make this easy for me. You know, for example, if it's telling the truth, that is difficult for you. Staying away from stealing other people's things, that is difficult for you. Whatever it is that you find difficult, ask Allah to make it easy. Because وَإِن كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى اللَّهِ Now what happened? The sufaha, the foolish people, and by the way, it basically refers to the people of the book in Medina, because they are the ones who criticize the Muslims a lot for the change of the Qibla. They started saying that what about all of the prayers that you performed while facing Jerusalem? They're all wasted. What a waste of effort. 16, 17 months, you faced Jerusalem, you prayed five times a day, and now you have to face the Kaaba, all your prayers wasted. What does Allah say? وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ Allah would never waste your prayers. He would never waste your good deeds. Iman means faith, doesn't it? Iman means faith. But here, Iman is referring to salah. Make sure you, you write this down. Iman is referring to salah over here. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He would never waste your faith, meaning He would never waste the prayers that you performed while facing Jerusalem. Why? Because you prayed facing Jerusalem in obedience to who? Why did you face Jerusalem in prayer? Why? Because Allah told you. And now you face the Kaaba in prayer. Why? Because Allah told you. So at the end of the day, you were obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ Allah would not waste your deeds. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ Indeed, Allah is with the people, surely very affectionate and merciful. You see the name of Allah, Ra'uf, is from the root letters, Ra, Hamza, Fa. Ra'fa is extreme compassion, tenderness. Like when you really care about someone. So Allah knows about all the hard work you put in, and Allah will not waste your effort. He will not waste your faith, He will not waste your prayers. Now, you see the statement, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ I want you to think about the statement. Salah is being called Iman. What is Iman? Faith. If a person has faith, then he is successful. And if he doesn't have it, then he's a loser. What does that tell us about Salah? How important is Salah? That Allah is calling Salah Iman. Salah and Iman... Salah and faith go together. If there is faith in the heart, then a person will definitely pray. And if the faith is missing, then the salah will also go missing. 
which means that if you compromise on your salah, skip a prayer here, skip a prayer there, and then leave it for like a whole day, and then a whole week, and then a whole ten days, and the whole summer. And then since Ramadan, a person hasn't prayed. Since Eid, they haven't prayed. Then what's happening to their faith? What's happening to their iman? That is also going down. That is also going away. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمُ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا قُلْ لِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الْقِبْلَةَ الَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولَ مِمَّنْ يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَى عَقِبَيْهِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَّحِيمٌ